0: They are an elite fighting force, uh, legendary around the world. They are the Navy SEALs. And today we are going to talk to a former Navy SEAL who's gonna share with us the life lessons and leadership lessons that he gained. And uh, stay tuned.
1: Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We're grateful that you are here. I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode, the Saint Maker. We'll talk about that later in this episode. Also if you don't know who we are, we're the Catholic Gentleman. We're your co-host Sam Guzman and John Heinen. We're blessed to be here. Uniquely, I get to uh, speak to two Sams today, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, uh, one of them, my friend and co-host, and the other one is this uh, former Navy SEAL officer. So uh, if you is this your first time listening to us please remember to subscribe follow us on all these different uh, podcast players or youtube if you have listened to us a few times you're inspired we'd be grateful for all donations and all supports we want to thank all of our current sponsors if you are not a current sponsor head over to patreon.com catholic gentleman take a look at some of the tiers that we have to offer uh you're in our prayers and we'd appreciate it if you kept us in your prayers yeah, and uh, if you're
0: watching on video on YouTube, you may notice that John and I are in the same room, even though we're doing a Zoom interview. Uh, John's visiting me here in Oklahoma, and we're strategizing ways to continue the work of Catholic Gentlemen and expand that. And so it's very exciting for us to be together. Um, But that's why we're in the same room if you're watching on YouTube. So anyway, but without further ado, let's 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 get to know our guest uh,
1: and take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So Sam Blair is a former Navy SEAL officer. He also holds degrees from Cornell University MBA. He has an executive uh, certificate from MIT. He has trained over 90 new future SEAL officers, and he's traveled all over the world, been deployed in Africa, Middle East, and South America. So what really excites us is that not only is he a former Navy SEAL, he's a former Navy SEAL officer that has been uh, training, he's a devout Catholic man, he's a father, uh, married obviously, uh, lives in Louisiana, and we're so excited that he would join us uh, today. So Sam, how are you doing?
2: doing great thanks for having me john sam pleasure and uh you know for what it's worth hopefully we can also be friends john i know you're friends with sam but at the end of this maybe we can uh, also spark a friendship as well um
1: <laughs> sam squared No, i like it perfect, yeah
2: <laughs> well i'm doing wonderful and again thank you so much for for hosting and uh thanks for that kind uh introduction i'm blushing so pumped to be here
1: Absolutely. So, Sam, what we like to do is we like to start and talk about you. And I know you went to Franciscan University, which I didn't mention early on. So, you've been a Catholic. Have you been a Catholic your whole life, or was it a, a conversion that you had and you decided to go to a Catholic university? We'd love to start there and just hear from you.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, cradle Catholic. Uh, I'm the oldest of four. Um, my parents wonderful. My my dad was a cradle Catholic. My mother actually converted the year. Uh, Before I was born, I think two years into marriage, um, had a conversion. And a lot of that had to do with my dad's faithfulness. I think just showing up, being patient with her questions, and um, just continuing to be consistent. Um, And honestly, I think the reason I'm still a Catholic today is because of my dad, just Mm. his consistency and faith. And as a guy, I think seeing my dad, uh, you know, hey, we're going to Sunday Mass was a lot different i think than some of my friends who are like yeah i'm not catholic anymore and you kind of peel that onion back uh, oftentimes just the mother leading the charge you know so I, I really credit faith to my parents but but in a big way a big shout out to my my dad
1: Oh, how wonderful and so why uh catholic university what what was your hopes when you decided to go to college uh was it to eventually join the navy um navy's real close to my heart and i just want to say thanks for your service and my grandfather who i've mentioned on this episode many times as one of my uh ideal archetypes of a man uh was in the navy for many years and served in the navy so I,
0: my my father's actually in the navy as well. Oh, praise god yeah
1: right on. Huh? this is great Good
2: company right yeah so kind of like you gentlemen um i grew up in a military family so my grandfather was a naval officer and then my dad went to the naval academy was a marine pilot, how before getting out, becoming an airline pilot, and um, we moved around a bunch as a kid. But one of the spots we ended up, you know, planting the flag as a family, my, my folks and my siblings are actually still out, uh, in San Diego, which is a military town. So, grew up, you know, seeing lots of uh, navy jets fly over, Navy helicopters, uh, Coronados where the SEALs trained. So, at a young age, I was exposed to all of that. Um, not to mention you know having a grandfather and, and your father have served. There's kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit You're like, oh wow, this is not only doable, but these are guys I respect. I want to do this. So it was definitely in the forefront of my brain early on. Um as far as Franciscan, um, I'd never heard of the place. My mother actually sent me to a, a conference when I was going into my my, my freshman year in high school. Uh, she was probably concerned about me with good reason she's like we got to get this guy on the straight and narrow so she forced me into this conference i knew nobody i was like one of three people from our parish uh two of the other individuals were females that i you know didn't necessarily associate with at that age so literally by myself in this road trip university of arizona and uh up until that point my faith journey was i go to sunday mass because i don't want to get my i don't want my parents mad you know and then I'll get my donut, call it a day, and the rest of Sunday is mine. At that conference, I was like, oh, my gosh, this thing is real. This whole faith thing is real. Jesus is real. He loves me. Okay, check. And that, that demands a response. And so that was a huge calibration shift going into high school. And uh, I'll get into that more maybe later. But ultimately, when it came time to make a decision for colleges, franciscan came on the radar because i thought oh it's going to be like this big conference for four years not the case so i left sunny san diego for you know gloomy Steubenville ohio and um honestly loved it so also changed my my life in a lot of ways and it was at franciscan that i was i was pretty serious about um i think most guys if they're serious about their faith, will ask the question like maybe i'm called to be a priest you know maybe i'll look into that so i I did. I was open to that maybe for the first couple of years while I was at Franciscan. And then my senior year, my wife uh, had transferred from Auburn University up to Franciscan. Her senior year, my senior year. And I did a 180. I was like, I am going to marry that lady. Yeah. And um, it didn't work out quite that that well. But um, we ended up getting together years later, um, which which is a story in itself. But yeah, Francisco was awesome. Loved it, lifelong friends, and uh, can't say enough good things about the university. Definitely formative. Cool.
0: Yeah, so when did you, uh, I'm curious, if I was first feel that spark of like, uh, like I, might, I might wanna join the Navy and like, take that
2: next step. Yeah. So for, for me, it was, I remember like being seven years old, visiting my grandparents in Coronado, California. And there's a lot of memorabilia um, at the you know in the town with different different shops. One of them in particular is a company called Bullshit, and they sell shirts about San Diego for tourists. And then half the stores all focus on Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. And they've got these cool pictures and posters. And I remember asking my grandfather, I was like, what is that? You know, there's guys jumping on planes and, and helicopters and scuba diving. I was like, wow. And he's like, those are Navy SEALs. And I remember just being totally hooked. I was like, I want to do that. And I don't think that left me. Um, I, in fact, it didn't leave me. Um, when I was a junior in college, I started really thinking about, okay, I'm not going to be a priest per se. What what am I supposed to do? And this is kind of, I guess, wild because it was an interesting experience, uh, and a personal one. But I remember... Probably maybe I was being a little bit dramatic. I don't know. I went to this grotto that Franciscan has um dedicated to uh, Our Lady of, of Lords. So it's uh tucked away on the campus and a statue of Our Lady. And I remember going out there at night. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And why, like, what do you want me to do? and uh i did one of these like pondering things you know put my fist on my chin and just kind of lost in my own thoughts and i looked down and there was this uh special forces figure that maybe some kid you know had left but literally literally at my feet and i was like wow okay uh um, that's interesting um and i i held held on to that thing my kids my boys i have two boys and a little girl my boys are like, can i have that dad's like no 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 that's that's my special toy. Um, but that was definitely something that kind of again, we reawoken that childhood desire. And um I would say leaving college is when it really kicked into gear, Sam. I um I did a, a stint with some friends in uh, in Ethiopia, in Africa, working with missionaries of charity. And uh it, there was he got these four nuns worked with like a hundred kids in this little orphanage called Bali, Africa, the eastern part of Ethiopia. And a lot of these kids have been mutilated, uh, intentionally blinded with acid. And my understanding is they were put on the streets of the capital Addis Ababa, to beg. People would take them in at night, take their money, put them, you know, give them some food, put them back on the streets. This suspicious cycle, and some good Samaritans got them out of that uh, that's that's that cycle. And I remember trying to process this as a young guy, like, whoa, 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 timeout. That people did what to these kids? And I think at that stage there was this element where it just I wanted to do something more, something um, bigger than myself. Uh, and we, had, as a country, were also involved in Iraq, and Afghanistan, and not to like weigh in on thoughts there, but there was a, definitely uh, a pride as a country, and I wanted to get involved. Um, And a lot of that was just in my early 20s. And I thought, wow, who's the best trained, best equipped? Um, And that for me was the SEALs. I was like, if I'm going to do it at all, I want to I want to go and do it with the best. And um, threw my hat in the ring for Officer Candidate School um, and was accepted a year later. And uh, 2008 showed up basically on a water demolition school known as BUDS Mm -hmm. and uh, two year process of training and selection um and then spent over a decade in the teams um you know doing all sorts of fun stuff with some great people and, and it was awesome so it's kind of a, a catalyst there
1: yeah it's really great so so that i understand basically you um you had some signal graces it sounds like and then you you joined the navy with the intent to become or to join the seal. It wasn't you, you joined the Navy. And then while you were there, you, you discerned, Hey, maybe I throw my ring, you know, my name in the hat to, uh, to become a seal. But it was really with that intent from the beginning. Is that correct?
2: That's right. Yeah. And what I love about, uh, I, hopefully the Navy's still doing this, but there's a great optionality there saying like, Hey, list the three things that you want to do. If you get selected off your school. and I just put Navy seal, Navy seal, Navy seal. <laughs> you know? And so, I think the intention is like, hey, if you want to be a pilot and that doesn't work out, do you want to be a submariner? You know, if that doesn't work out, do you want to be a ship driver? And for me, I just put one, two, three, seal. And if that doesn't work out, lose my number, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: So, obviously, there's a lot of guys that, that kind of feel that desire, like, I want to be the best of the best. Like, I want to, and they go to the, you know, they go, they sign up. And, but then they like, they, for whatever reason, I mean, they just can't they can't get there. And so I wonder if there was like any moments for you where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't, like, I don't know if I'm going to like pass the tests that are required of me. Um, like what was that experience
2: like for you? Yeah. So I actually, to, to get selected for, there's three pathways, there's the Naval Academy, they get like a third of the, um, let's say every year, the Navy's producing, I don't know, 50 officer candidates. Uh, maybe let's do it 60 just to round it out. Um, they're going to get a third. You're going to get, well, let's do 90. They'll get 30, you know, reserve officer training course or ROTC. So the different universities, the big ones, have these ROTC opportunities. They'll get a third, so they'll send 30 candidates. And then officer candidate school would get 30 so to get that look i was competing with all the other individuals that didn't have uh, an rtc program um so it was a significant pool and so there's uh, there's an academic process to it there's um basically a physical component like you have to be competitive physically um in your what they call a package so it's like this holistic look and then you have to know someone that's going to vouch you and like hey I am a Navy SEAL officer, and I think this guy would be a good SEAL officer based on what I know about the community. So if all of those line up, you get a shot to go to Tosser can School. And then of those candidates, you know, they might graduate two years later, a handful of SEAL officers. Um, usually the officers have a better chance of coming out the out of the pipeline just based on the screen that goes in the front end. It's pretty, pretty selective. But for me, you know, to answer your question, Sam, I was just hyper-focused on getting a slot. Like, I was like, if you just get me a slot, and I don't know who, who I was referring to when I say you, but if I get a slot, you know, I was, um, pretty confident. Like there. Yeah. I was going to get, get through. Um, that was maybe being cocky. I showed up and and definitely, um, had some rough awakenings. Whoa. Uh, that this is, this is like wrestling a saber toothed tiger, you know, like mm. there were some like rough days for sure. Um, but honestly, Sam, the roughest part for me, uh, and maybe the listeners think this is, this would be funny. I don't, but I overlooked officer can school completely. I was like, Oh, this is just kind of like a formality. Cause it's truncated. It's like four months. And I was just blown away by the level of detail of like, I I I I definitely got to a point that I was like, man, I gotta make it out of officer Cannon school first before I even get to Buds. Um, I I got wrecked at Officer Canada school. I just cracking too many jokes, wasn't serious, didn't take it seriously. I was like, oh yeah, this is just minutia, always behind the power curve. Um, so it took me a hot minute. Um it, you guys have time for a story?
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely. share. Yeah, we're enjoying. So,
2: So second day of officer Canada school, so one, I show up late. So I show up, everyone else is in a uniform except me. I've got longer hair than I do now because I was a beach lifeguard while I was uh, putting in my application. And I'm wearing like a bright colored Ralph Lauren shirt. So like everyone's like, who's this guy? You know, long hair, bright shirt. You don't want to stand out. So I already stood out and I was the only guy in my class going that had a contract to go to Bud's. So I was like, Ooh, I wonder how many pushups this guy can. I was like, stop, stop talking to me, you know? So I was getting cornered immediately, um, for like two days. And then on the second day is when you get introduced to your Marine drill instructor. So the, the Navy cut a deal back in World War II where they were short of instructors and the Marine Corps was short of, uh, like mechanics for their aircraft. So there was like a swap and he was like, hey, we'll send you a bunch of mechanics. Can you send us the drill instructors? And so that arrangement's still in place today. So Marine drill, drill instructor uh, shows up to Rhode Island. And day one, we like march into the chow hall. And there's supposed to be like two lines. There's like the inside line and the outside line. I was the, the number one guy on the outside line. And then the person to my left on the inside line was, uh, female who's going supply officer. So we were the goal was she was going to turn left. I was going or she was going to just march in place. And then six steps we're going to turn together. This is like this is a ridiculous story, but this is my introduction to the Navy. So I'm the outside guy, I make a turn. She apparently didn't turn tight enough. So the drill instructor sitting there like no take it back. So we reset we do it again we fail again take it back so this happens like three times and on the third time I'm walking back to the line and I I like do one of these so the drums like this lady you know and I roll my eyes and like point at her like Just get her out you know she's 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 holding us all back and he lost his mind like there's hundreds of people in this chow hall and day one beating this guy he's like are you rolling your eyes in my chow hall and I, I was like, well, an officer doesn't lie, steal, or cheat. And I was like, I got to tell him the truth. I was, yeah. I was rolling my eyes. He's like, get out. It's like, you like, get out. Like, get outside. It's like, okay. So I walk outside. I'm in like a khaki uniform that's super tight. And uh, it's Rhode Island in the winter, January, snowing. And uh, I have like short sleeve khaki uniform, khaki pants, which is somewhat formal attire. And he has me step outside into the snow, start doing jumping jacks. Like I got to get this guy on my back. So I'm just yelling thinking he loves intensity. He's like, shut up, shut up. Okay, (laughs) so like, roll. I was like, roll? He's like, roll. So he had me do a somersault down this hill into this icy water. So I'm like, in this icy water, he's like, push-ups. I'm like, just yelling. Yes, sir. Um, He's like, shut up. You know, he's like, sit ups so I'm doing sit ups in this icy water. And uh this is even, this is like day two of Oscar Canada's school. So I'm like, gosh, I've totally underestimated this place. And he's telling me, you know, shut up. But I want him to know I heard him, you know, so I'm like, have my mouth closed. But I'm saying, mm-hmm, like humming or trying to let him know, like I am acknowledging. And he's losing his mind. He's like, I told you. To shut up? Are you an idiot? And I was like, I want you to know I'm not an idiot. So I was like, no, sir. I said, I told you to shut up. So it's like this back and forth. Finally, he's like, get back in the chow hall. And it was one of those moments in life where the music just stops. I like open up the door, and like hundreds of heads just like look at me. Music stopped, and I'm again isolated. I'm like, dude, this is not how I wanted to start my Navy career. And, um, I think at that moment I was like, I got to get it together or like these childhood dreams are done. Yeah. So that was, that was day, that was day one with the drill instructor day two of my naval career. Um, and yeah, there's lots of fits and starts in officer candidate school, but, um, that was like, that was the beginning of my career. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta buckle up or I'm not even going to make it to butts. You know? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. That's intense. <laughs> it really is. My goodness. Um, so when you were, I, have you always been, I guess, a physically fit guy, or was that something that you had to really work on? That's where my mind immediately went. Cause I know I've done Mark Lawrence, you are your own gym for many weeks. And, you know, he talks about basically it's, that the mental exhaustion and the physical, um, exhaustion or the ability just not to be able to, to maintain that level of stamina. Was that ever an issue for you or does that resonate with you? Did you see a lot of guys drop out? Um, you weren't able to make it because of those things. What in your opinion was, uh, the, the biggest difficulty that you had to overcome?
2: Yeah. Um, so fitness was big growing up. My mom was actually, uh, my PE coach growing up and she was a uh, She's big into swimming. My mom's so my dad, like I said, he was a Marine. He's he's a freaking uh athlete in his own right and, and a stud. But my mom is really something special. She, um, so she's been part of relay leg swimming the English channel. She's done triathlons, she's climbing Mount Whitney. Like she's she really pushed physical fitness in a uh, kind of her own way. I, I was like, wow, this is attractive. Like she's just always outgoing and and um I think it's just part of being a holistic person, like mental, physical, spiritual, social aspect. And she uh, and my dad both were, were big advocates on you know fitness. So that was um, just kind of part of uh, growing up. We lived in a small house in uh, in Coronado, and my folks were like, look, you're not going to stay inside. Like, get get out. So we were constant. I was constantly you know riding my bike or um, going to practice for swimming or. My parents always had me in sports or I was in the ocean, uh, swimming, surfing. That was all part of childhood. So I was very comfortable in the water, which is a huge component um, of special Warfare that's different than the other special operations communities, you know, Rangers, Green Berets, because of the water element. And so I I felt like I had a leg up in the sense that, one, I grew up in and around the training environment, kind of had an idea of what to expect. And then two, um, playing water polo, our coach, a guy named Randy Burgess, had a, a track record that anyone that played for his program for all four years, there was like 100% success rate uh, for those individuals that went to Buds. Um, so that was actually really wild. He Someone needs to study Randy Burgess because he's got something going on over there with his program. Uh, but a lot of my buddies from... My high school warpole team, you know, were were SEALs, which is really cool. So you like childhood friends serving in this capacity uh later in life, still teammates, you know, really special.
0: Oh, that great. is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so I just want to like shift a little bit. And like there's so there was this mystique for you growing up, you know, just being around the culture and like growing up in the area where you know SEALs are are based and and um but we also see like this bigger cultural fascination with the SEALs where, uh, you know, uh, just like I remember in high school watching documentaries on Discovery Channel about like Hell Week and just just like, just this cultural fascination with this elite fighting force. Um, and so I guess I'm just having been through that, but also having felt that attraction yourself, like what do you think it is that that captures the public imagination about the SEALs um, and, and um, you know, it does it resonate with kind of what, what you experienced.
2: Yeah. I love that question, Sam. And I think there's, um, on a human level, I think most individuals, this is a generalization are attracted to things that are hard, to things that, um, there's a standard, there's accountability. Um, and I, I don't at all want to make a connection that, you know, between saints and seals, But for me, you know, hearing John Paul II, St. John Paul II talk about sanctity, um, talk about the call to holiness.
1: I mean, there's a reason
2: uh, a generation got super excited about that pursuit um, is because it's like, hey, you were meant to be great. Like you're you're not meant to be comfortable. You're meant to pursue greatness. Um, There's something that awakens a feminine and a masculine part. Um, When you start talking about standards, hardship, accountability, um, and I think the seals have all three. And in a time and a place in history where everyone gets a trophy, everyone's a winner, everyone's great, the seals are not, they don't shy away from calling people out, they don't shy away from saying, Hey, you're not meeting the standard. And there's something attractive about that, like, Hey, here's the line, and that's like. If you want to play, there it is. Like we're not. And right now, I mean, you can be they're open up to men, women, they're like, hey, here's the standard. We care about lethality. We care about being a good teammate. And here's the physical, you know, limits. And if you can if you can meet that, great. Welcome to the club. If not, you know, go take a hike. And I love that. They're just hard and fast. And that there's something. Um, maybe that lends them stick with those elements. Uh, but let me pause. I don't know if that's answering answer the question.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It is. I think the, the, as much as our culture, like simultaneously disdains standards and responsibility and measuring up at the same time, like it's just a human need that is being addressed there. Like, while there's cultural forces working against that, that that desire remains. Like I think especially for young men too, where it's like a young man has to feel like he's like, maybe my dad loves me and I know that, but I still need to like prove myself to him that I can meet the standard. And like, he's pushing me. Like, I want to, I want to prove, like not in the sense of like earning love, but in the sense of like putting into practice, and and meeting the standards that he's kind of set for you um like a good father doesn't just let their kid just atrophy and just like you know sink to the lowest denominator i mean there's a a sense of loving we're going to push you because i believe that you have what it takes and i know you're capable of more and so i'm going to hold you to the standard of what i know you're capable of and and I feel like that we long for that in our culture, especially just, yeah, like young men just haven't been challenged. haven't been pushed. They haven't had someone, you know, say, you're not doing what I know you're capable of. Like, and I, and I know I kind of had that experience in high school, my coaching, you know, like my coach was like, he like had it out for me. It felt like, but it was because he knew I was capable of more. And that was like, that was a beautiful thing actually. And when I did rise to that standard, it felt so good. And I think the, the Navy SEALs are one of those last bastions of like, this is the standard, take it or leave it, but we're going to hold you to it. Uh, yeah. Compromise that.
2: I, I love that. And I think that carries over, you know, whether it's academics, music, sports, um, any profession, um, that takes themselves seriously is going to have those standards and that accountability. Um, but I, I think on that same level, um, kind of shifting away from the and just kind of going more at like the vocation itself. Um, there were guys that showed up and I'd say 90% of them physically capable of making it through buds. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately you, you have to want to be there because the whole program will sift out if you're there because you want to prove yourself to, uh, family members or friends. Like, look, I told you I can do it. It's like they don't. The sales like, look, we're not here to show off. We're here to do the mission. So if you want to do the mission, great. But they're gonna they're gonna really snuff out of you real quick. Like your intentions. Like wh- why are you here? Um, and so that brings me to the point of, you know, a lot of times people are like Pat, uh, service members on the back. Like, Thank you so much for your service. It's like man, I, I love doing this. But at the same time, I think it's so important to discern why you're going to show up to a certain vocation, whether that's, um, you know, academics, music, being a doctor, lawyer, insurance salesman, et cetera, um, using your gifts, and your talents for the glory of God. And, and, um, I really felt like this is where I feel called, but I also feel like I have some gifts and talents to use, um, in this arena. Um, And I would also share with guys listening, like those same gifts, everyone has their own gifts and talents for the Lord. And and he's asking us to maximize, them. you know, not, not to bury them, but to turn five into 10 and 10 into 20 and use them within our own sphere of influence. Um, so I, I think that's a huge takeaway um, that I'd like to just share there. you know, at the end of the day, I guess there is, maybe there's still some mystique. I feel like there's a lot of open source stuff now in the SEALs, but, um, at the end of the day, you know we don't drink ox blood for breakfast. Like we put pants on. It's just average dudes, you know, doing doing the job.
1: I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, the Saint Maker, for sponsoring this excellent episode with Sam Blair.
0: Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but I really struggle sometimes to pull things together, get stay organized, stay on track. And one thing that's really helpful with that is having clear goals, uh, and actionable, measurable goals, and, and actually working through them. So. God is calling us to greatness. He doesn't want us to be mediocre in the spiritual life. We need to really strive for holiness, strive for greatness. That is our calling as Catholic men. And it can really help to have a resource to help keep you on track. And the Saint Maker is such a resource. It's a -a one-of-a-kind personal journal and planner in one that helps you reignite your faith uh, as well as professionally and personally personally. Uh, helps keep you on track. So it's a it's a great resource. It's backed by Catholic wisdom but also by modern science and psychology to help you get the most out of your daily routine. And so it's it's a it's a wonderful way of approaching things that helps you break things down, make them very simple and practical.
1: Yeah, and one thing I love about the same maker is that it does it breaks things down. You have month goals, you have weekly goals, you have, you know, daily um Planned out items to make sure that you're growing both uh, spiritually, uh, physically, intellectually in your life. So there are already thousands of Catholics on the Saint Maker journey. Uh, we have been granted a free trial offer uh, that will include free shipping for our members. So any Catholic gentlemen listeners can head on over to the SaintMaker.com/slash Catholic Gentlemen. I'm going to put that in the show notes. So if you're listening on podcast. Uh, It'll be in the show note there. If you're watching on YouTube, it's going to be in the show note there as well. Just click on that. Use the promo code Catholic Gentleman. So it's not the Catholic Gentleman. It's just Catholic Gentleman. And it's man, not men. So M-A-N at the end. Again, that's going to be in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for the individuals over at the Saint Maker for what they're doing to better the lives of men and women. Well, and one of the things that I can keep on um hearing, you know, or, or being called is this idea of sacrifice, right? That that you have to sacrifice uh, so much to to accomplish the level that you are at. And I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that. So you traveled around the world and uh, you got married, right? And so you're having kids and stuff. And so there's a sacrifice for a certain greater good. And I'd love to hear from you, um, you know what was what was some of the what were some of the other desires of life or things that you had to sacrifice for this this pursuit in excellence right which is what we're talking about we're talking about that challenge that that we all um secretly long for as a body mind and soul individual and so i just you coming from such a unique uh, uh position in life i'd love to hear uh from you Uh, with your experience as an active you know Navy SEAL and a Navy SEAL officer you know kind of um, how that um, how that helped you in your your growth um, you know body mind and soul if that makes sense
2: yeah Um, well I think a lot of the sacrifice too um, and and I just share this I guess candidly um, is a lot of this falls to yeah sure the veterans themselves there's a lot they sacrifice but it's the, it's the spouses, it's the children on the back end too. Like they're also sacrificing. And I really feel for, for the spouses and the children because they didn't sign up for it. And that was something I started wrestling with a lot, Like, man. I, I'm gone a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm away from home a decent amount, not a significant amount of time. And I'm selfishly loving this profession. And you know, my wife and kids didn't, didn't sign up for this. Um, and I want to unpack that a little bit. So one, you know, when I, I signed up, I was single, my first deployment, I was single. That's a lot different than future deployments where I was married and then future deployments married with children Mm -hmm. that changes the dynamic. Plus, you know, you're getting older. Um, you're getting a little bit wiser on stuff. Um, there's less bravado. There's more, uh, cerebral, uh, component to the job. And, um, I, I, I'm not advocating that all wars need to be fought by single individuals, but for me, the decision was: hey, you know, my primary vocation is, is a husband, uh, is a father, and, and so I started um, making some moves to offering from the military uh, a couple of years ago, and a lot of it had to do with the last deployment I was on. Just married um, and I, young kids, I was like, man, this is this is totally different. Than it was when I, when I first showed up to the to the scene. So um, that said, it, it took me a hot minute to to make that decision. And I remember when my oldest was born, I put my paperwork in. And I said, "Hey, I'm I'm done." Yeah. And um, I got a call. The case Sam, We want to give you a platoon on the West Coast. It's five. And my wife, she, this was like a huge point of contention. Um, and selfishly, I you know probably. I'm not going to armchair quarterback it, but I made a unilateral decision. One of the few in my life, uh, in, in married life, I was like, yeah, I'm going to let's do it. And I came home. I was like, hey, babe, I, I pulled my papers, I'm staying in. And oh, by the way, we're moving. And here's this lady, like with a little baby. And then she's pregnant with our second. And we're moving across country from Virginia to San Diego. And uh, that was, talk about sacrifice. That was all in my life. She had the team on her back. And she was, Rightfully upset she's like what what are you doing like what kind of decision maker are you uh so that's stung mm. uh that said um in hindsight i i really feel like that was a great tour and it was uh really necessary in a lot of ways to set up for the off-ramp in the long game mm. um, yeah yeah
0: it- so, so a lot of sacrifices, both from for your wife and, and, and family, but also, you know, like the feeling kind of like, I love this, right. but I have responsibility in my family now. Yeah. I'm just kind of feeling that tension. Um, I just do want to ask, you know, this, I've, I've known some, some people in the military who um, have a strong faith. Um, and, but I also know that like, sometimes some of the culture that just goes along with that can be kind of a challenge to face sometimes. And I'm just, I'm curious, like, how did you handle that? Like you had a strong Catholic foundation and you kind of came into the military with that. And I'm just wondering, like, were there challenges for you or did you find a lot of support for your, you know, your faith? Uh, and what was that like for you just kind of throughout your, your, uh, career?
2: Yeah. Um. I definitely think faith was paramount, you know, in uh, my career, um, and continues to be paramount in my civilian career. But I, I do applaud the military, I, you know, they still have a strong chaplain corps, which is great. So even overseas, there there were some deployments where I was away from the sacraments for a couple months, um, but but there's others where I, I had access to, which was phenomenal, you know. Um, uh, So, so that was huge. Um, Staying close to sacraments, even on on deployments. um, What a gift. And then as far as the culture, you're right. I mean, there's, there's definitely um, alignment with regards to the mission with regards to um, camaraderie teamship. So I was really close with a lot of guys that maybe didn't share my faith or share my outlook or um, maybe value systems completely. Um, But there's enough common ground there where lifelong friends. That said, some of my dearest friends are from the teams because not only did we have all this alignment, but then we shared the faith on top of that. Just such good friends because of that, yeah. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, wow. Uh, So carrying with this, um, was your uh, um, deployment when you went to these different places Uh, And you saw probably a lot of wickedness and a lot of, you know, the depravity of mankind, I would assume. Were you ever challenged in your faith? Was your faith ever, um, you know, on edge? Or did you find that it only strengthened your faith? I'd love to hear any thoughts that you have uh, regarding that or how to stay diligent as a man in in your pursuit of holiness, you know, when the world seems to be falling apart and you in particular are going to um, fight some of those um, evils.
2: Yeah, I would say the latter. I think it it only reinforced and strengthened my faith. But I think more than that, it also gave me a great appreciation for America and the fact that we're founded on laws and that, you know, laws are meant for the well-being of humans. Humans aren't made for laws. You know, like that whole thing, when you start looking at a breakdown of essentially de-civilization, you have a great appreciation for civilization Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of, you know, uh, the monasteries, you know, founded by St. Benedict that kind of helped keep civilization moving forward in a, in a positive direction. I think two things on that, John. One, coming back from some of these deployments, I remember catching up with some buddies. uh One in particular, it was like a 4th of July. We had like a little beach party in in Virginia, uh Virginia Beach. And, um, there was, I think, a cop patrolling the beach, with and um, looking for open bottles or something like that. And one of the spouses, one of my buddy's spouses, had some comments for the cop, and he's like, "Baby, baby, baby, they're good. They keep law. They keep order. This, they're good." Like, and he was like totally advocating based on what we had seen. He was like, "This is good. Like, don't don't come down on this poor guy. Like, he's he's policing the situation that we can have a great time and enjoy the Fourth of July." Um. the The other comment I, I think is, and this is more like a what saddens me is, you start seeing where some of these policies that are currently, like the socialism kind of at work, and this wokeism uh, here in America and in Western civilization more broadly, you see where some of these policies go, and you're just like, guys, like we're America right now is so strong that we're sending men and women. From our our borders to other borders to essentially police this area of the world, like get it together. Like this is this is unsustainable, and it's only going to lead to pain and death. Like mm-hmm. we we really got to get ahead of these policies. So I think that's sad as we seeing that, like having like first world view of mm-hmm. like, oh man, like we're headed in a the wrong direction. Like let's let's get a rudder correction. Um, coming back stateside. And I think the fight still continues. It looks different, you know, but it's more of a, uh, a social fight. Um, and, and one, we have to stand the truth, um, rambling there. I don't know if that made any sense, but just trying to answer that question there.
0: Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, the appreciation for law and order and, and kind of the ugliness when that can break down. Um, and just switching just gears just a little bit i'm i'm curious too like you undoubtedly learned a lot of lessons in your time about leadership and 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 discipline and things like that you know and a lot of the navy seals kind of like are when they come out the other side it seems like there's a lot of like people looking to them for like what did you learn like i want so i guess i'm curious like what are some of your biggest takeaways from your experience you know in This kind of elite group, and how is how have you brought that to you know your faith, your family? Like, what does that look like? Um, And yeah, what 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 can and and I guess the last thing, last piece of that would be like, what can we learn from that as as men striving for holiness, striving to love our families well, lead our families? Um, So yeah,
2: yeah. Um, Well, thank you for that question, Sam. I think there's there's a lot I could. You know, share, but I, I would like to just maybe focus that question on just leadership more broadly because I think it's one of these topics that I think would be helpful in today's age. I also think um, it's misunderstood. We hear the word leadership and it's so squishy, and it's 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 really not well defined or anchored. Uh, and I even remember instinctively thinking, "I love leadership, but what what is leadership?" If someone asked me, I probably didn't have an answer when I was in my early twenties. Um, and I remember my f- first professional development course in the teams, we had this uh, meeting and the topic of leadership came up and they're like, what is leadership? And everyone had answers and people just, you know, the instructor was writing different words, uh, down on the chalkboard. And ultimately we arrived at vision, direction, inspiration. So, okay, great. I have a concept for leadership. And then fast forward, probably two years, I was in another professional development course and topic of leadership came up again, like, what is leadership? I know vision, direction, inspiration. They're like, no, it's like, (laughs) I guess I don't know. So they ended up uh, just fast forwarding like it's influence. Leadership is influence and it's synonymous. Like I can actually get behind that. But as I ponder that a little bit, I was like, I don't know that I'm down with that definition either. Mm. um, Only because if, if that's, The objective definition of leadership that means Mao Zedong was a great leader. It means Hitler was a great leader. I'm like, well, okay, they have influence, so therefore they're good leaders. Like, no. And that's where I think as Christians, we have to make that that distinction of like, hey, is this leadership for our own gain or is this Christ centered leadership? Are we helping individuals, whether it's our family, our company, our community, work towards virtue and, and pursue a life where we're thriving and actually? aimed at the narrow road towards heaven, or are we using this for our own gain? And I think that distinction is super important um, because we all are called to holiness. We're also called to be leaders within certain sectors of our life, you know? Um, For the three of us, like, we we all are definitely, like, objectively called to be leaders within our own domestic church. And so taking that concept, am I leading my family well? Am I serving my family well? Am I looking out for them? Am I putting their interests above my own, or first, or you know, am I am I being self-seeking? And that that is something that maybe uh, you know, like that's something I want to continue to to work on, um, and um, not only understand theoretically, but live out day to day in my life um, as a businessman, but ultimately as a, as a husband, as a father.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. So. As um or coming up closer to the end here, I, I want to ask you, uh, I guess what would you tell uh, men that are struggling to find kind of a path forward so you know maybe you liken it to when you're shifting now to a civilian life you had so so much rigor and so much order um there's a lot of guys that have never had that in life and are struggling to gain it themselves we, we hear from them frequently you know on this episode so uh, what are some uh you know Pearls of wisdom, you would like to to leave with these men that um, have maybe fallen off and are looking to get back on or struggling or listening in. Uh, You know, they obviously they hear you as a Navy SEAL officer. They're going to see that on the show here and they're going to be intrigued and and hope to gain something uh, that you have learned uh, to help them in their own pursuit and challenges in life. And I just love to hear give you an opportunity to, to speak to us men.
2: Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Um, I don't, you know, I'll share maybe what's been helpful for me and if it's helpful, great. And if not feel free to jettison, but um, I, I think universally, I'm coming to this understanding that if we're going like to pursue uh, the path, the narrow road, which is hard and it can get, you can get worn out. And like, Oh man, this is exhausting. It is. Um, however, is like, tie in to the vine we can't do anything without the lord like he's really clear on that like you can do nothing without me so for me um when i have those moments of exhaustion i, I just encourage you to double down on your prayer life because you're, you will find refreshment like the lord's clear on that too the other thing is stay close to the sacraments particularly uh, confession and the eucharist uh sin dulls the will and the intellect so i think whenever we're kind of getting into the, the muck and the mire, I would just encourage men to just reset, start over. It's a new day, like clean slate and just keep pressing the fight forward. Um, and then the Eucharist like that's just food for the journey. That's fuel. Um, and, and, the, and the other thing I would say is just to rest easy knowing that holiness is the Lord's work. It's not ours. Like we can cooperate with with the Lord on that. And he's just asking us to show up. So if you're just showing up and cooperating, he's going to do the work. Like, um, but you need to at least show up like minimum. And so one of the things on a practical level, uh, buddy, share this with me and I love it is just waking up in the morning and just the first action of the day is just to kneel down, sign the cross and just tell the Lord, like, I will serve. Mm-hmm. Like just real simple, like I will serve and then like the day's yours and then move forward
1: excellent
0: yeah that's that's powerful i mean just to to sh- show up i mean day after day uh like consistency that discipline um and i guess that would be my last question too is what would you say to someone who's really struggling with discipline i'll just admit like that's one of those things that's very difficult for me like unless i have somebody outside like pushing me like it's hard for me to hold myself accountable sometimes where it's like, I know I should be doing this and, but, and maybe I'll do great for like a week and then I'll just like, I'll fall off the bandwagon. So what would you say to people who maybe struggle with discipline? Maybe it's, maybe it doesn't come as easily to their personality or whatever, but, but they also realize they need that structure and that order. Like how did you develop that? Um, and what would be some suggestions?
2: Yeah um it's a, it's a it's a solid one i think there's um a solid question and i you hit on it too sam you're like maybe it's not conducive with your personality and i think there's a lot to that that could probably be unpacked you know some some personalities are just driven towards that they're just checklist charlers. like they just that's just how they live and operate and move through the world um and i have you know children that fall in line with that and maybe mirror me and then i have other children that are just sanguine and just like, yeah, whatever. And you have to like constantly remind like, Hey, please go take your clothes and put them in the dirty hamper. Like, <laughs> okay. And it's like, no, no, literally go take, like, yeah. put your clothes in the dirty hamper. you know? <laughs> and so I get it, you know, and both uh, of those personalities are wonderful in their own right. And God created both those personalities. So I think part of that is just realizing like, where do you fall in line? And then, okay, give yourself a little bit of some breathing room. like you're, you're, you're not better or, or, or is just different, you know? So I think one of those things, just because one person's more disciplined than the other doesn't mean they're better or on a, uh, a faster track, you know, I think it's just a matter of nuance. And so I would say one rest easy Two, just identify what is it that you do need and then solve for that. Um, because individuals that have that checklist, Charlie, life, they also struggle with maybe being more flexible, being more open to others, loving. I mean, there's all sorts of yeah. pros and cons, you know. So um, I, I, I don't think it's fair to just bend someone who's disciplined as like, oh, they're they're on the path to say. Hmm. Um, I would just uh, I, I think it's just understanding who you are and what the Lord's calling you to do and using those gifts, those talents, and then solving for those friction points.
0: That is not what I expected to hear, but that's like really refreshing. And so thank you for that. Um, and and next time my wife gets annoyed with me for not taking out the trash i'll say sam a navy seal said
2: yeah, yeah. It's my personality, she'll, be, yeah, yeah. So. she'll be all about it
0: yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but no really i do appreciate that and you know like there can you can get in this mindset where you kind of beat up on yourself like i should be one of those people that lives by the checklist i should be one of those guys that's up at 4 30 you know like doing his routine and like and but yeah i i, I appreciate that. That the nuanced answer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So uh tell us a little bit about your life as a civilian now with the Frasati company. You know, we uh we just released an episode um 12 Manlius Saints and uh, Blessed Giorgio Frasati was one of them. And so love to hear your uh what you're doing now and how men can learn more about uh you and what you're doing.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. Um so the Frasati company is Basically, we got the band together for the Naval Academy, my last tour, I was teaching leadership and ethics there and uh, just surrounded by a lot of powerhouse individuals that are well formed Catholic uh, men uh, and women there. And, you know, everyone kind of had this either a PhD in academics or experience, whether it's a fire pilot, in my case, uh, SEAL officer, uh, ship drivers, kind of had the whole team there. So it's a, it's a cross-functional team to help organizations and executives thrive. And um interested in, in looking that up. Got a great team, happy to help there. Um, and I, I guess this is also fresh out the press. We're looking to turn that into a nonprofit. And really, currently we're working with startups, mid-level companies, Fortune 500 companies, which is great. so it's, it's a pretty wide gambit, but we're really kind of focusing it now towards the Catholic executives, Catholic universities, Catholic companies, Catholic nonprofits. So, really trying to, to to kind of play in that sector to serve as a mission on the church.
1: That's to help these
2: understand leadership. Yeah.
1: So, dive just a little bit in. So, how do you help these executives? Are you um, what? What are some of the the tenets or the you know rules that you're you're using to help them thrive?
2: Yeah. So. There's three pillars. Uh, I just gave you four, but there's three pillars. Um, so executive coaching. Okay. So that's just one-on-one coaching and unlike maybe consulting where it comes in like, Hey, here's, right. here's an answer, like move forward with it. Uh, or counseling them just focus on the past. Coaching is just focused on like, Hey, what's your friction point now and how can we move you forward to thrive? Um, and that's, that's really wonderful work um and and again done from a catholic lens not from this woke kind of mentality uh which i which is also refreshing uh and then consulting we'll work with teams so that's where we'll we'll give the teams kind of the battery of assessments we'll figure out where how they communicate where they're going what they do all that stuff and move them forward Um, and that can be anywhere from a 90-minute session to like a year-long engagement and then adventure so taking uh, companies and adventures, are companies on adventures. Um, so really, getting the boardroom or the executive staff or mid-level managers out and working together, um, which is which is has the potential to be very impactful. Um, we also do keynote speaking and some other uh, topics there, um, but those are kind of the three big pillars
1: Excellent. to help organizations. Oh, I appreciate you doing that. And we're praying that uh, that has a lot of success and, and hopefully a lot of uh, personal fulfillment and being able to serve the church in that manner.
2: Thanks, John. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So
0: just anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, it's been a wonderful conversation.
2: I um I just want to thank you guys and thank the listeners and um, appreciate what you guys are doing and definitely keeping you guys in my prayers. Keep up the good work.
1: That's awesome. So as we come to the end here and we like to end every episode. Be a man, be a saint.